Welcome to Chats with Susan Burrell, and that's me. I help strong, capable women who have pockets of self-doubt access their inner wisdom and clarify their own truth. Chats with Susan Burrell is where we have rich conversations about empowerment, radiating your brilliance out into the world, and loving yourself more than you ever have before. And who doesn't want that? So let's get started. So today I am delighted to have a new friend. I, I always bring my friends on. I think that's kind of cool. But part of it's because I love chatting with people. And I have this new friend that we've both kind of just fallen into this really lovely synchronistic love, I think. And and she's a, a life coach. She's, well, hold on. I got to tell you what she actually does. She cultivates potential in people. Who doesn't want that, everybody? Cultivates <laughs> potential in people. So I want to welcome... Linda Dravenstead. Linda, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you so much, Susan. I'm excited about this. I'm excited too. I think I had a little too much caffeine. <laughs> so this, let's just start with this cultivating potential in people. I, how did you, how did you come up with that? Like, it, it sounds like you're going to hold my hand and make sure I get to uh, across the street just fine. Absolutely. Uh, Susan, what I found in my own life path is that I would bump into, I don't know, barriers, fears, frustrations, stresses. And through the journey, I would get some help with a coach or a book. I mean, books have just literally almost fallen off the shelf into my lap. I've had that happen to me, literally. And allow me to cultivate my next level. So cultivate, I'm a gardener. So I love the analogy of the fact that you need to plant new seeds mm-hmm. and things will grow, mm-hmm. but then you also need to trim the bushes. You've got to trim the roses to get beautiful roses. So I've learned in my journey that there's been things in this cultivation uh, piece that are adding the seeds, growing, continuing to pass through whatever is the uncomfortable stage. And then there's things that need to be whacked off and gone. Right. Yeah. yeah. Years ago, I, I had a, a, a close friend who had gone through some devastating, really close together life experiences. And when I saw her, she said, I have literally been pruned. My entire life has been pruned. And I thought, oh my God, I could feel it down to my bones. She didn't Perfect. have to tell me the story. She had just been completely pruned, and which means that then there's an opportunity for new growth to come up. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. So you've written a book called Life Path by Design. Yes. I think a lot of people kind of, there's a couple of schools, a few schools of how we get through life. And some people think that there's a destiny and they're just at the effect of that destiny. And some people think that there was a a design, a a, a blueprint that was done before we even entered into this lifetime. And then other people think that they get to make it up as much as they want while they're living this life. So which is it? Designing a life path? You know, it's been both for me. I initially, I'm going to call it my first life. Mm Mm-hmm. I really felt like that I was at the effect of what was going on and that, you know, I just needed to follow the trodden path of my mother, my generation, my culture, my little Southern Baptist upbringing. So I really believe that I needed to conform within the path that had been trod before. 
it wasn't until a marriage began to fall apart that I realized that, hey, nobody had a gun to my head to stay here. Uh I absolutely realized for the first time after I think 15 or 16 years of marriage that I might have some choices here. And that's, I think, the part of life that when I went, aha, I have some, if you would, participation. I don't want to use the word control because that uh, sort of doesn't feel right these days. More, I have some participation in co-creating because I'm a very spiritual being and have always been. Mm-hmm. Co-creating the path. So that's what it uh, boils down to is that it's actually been a little of both. And I feel more co-creative in this phase of my life. In the second half or yes. whatever, whatever current <laughs> lifetime. Right, right, after right. After you're living. Whatever, so, third phase, fourth right. phase, whatever it is. <laughs> and there's lots of phases, everybody. Yes. Don't, and thank God we get to have lots of phases or chapters or, or whatever. So this, let's speak a little bit more about this um, co-creating factor, because I think there's a lot of people out there that don't realize that they are at choice. They don't realize that they can um, develop more of an inner awareness and therefore more confidence in the choices they make. I know, so hold on, we got to rewind a minute, Linda. The, the, the whole, um, I've been talking to so many women that have gone through divorce and they don't trust themselves, um, or they've actually like blanked out periods of their marriage because it was so brutal or so astonishing that that person they love would be doing these things. And, and so what I found, and so I want to ask you this for me, when, you know, when you came out and realized you had been conforming and that you were at choice, when, when I came out of my marriage and while I was going through divorce, um, I'm always about self-responsibility. You got to take responsibility for yourself, meaning my actions create reactions. And I want to be clear that my actions or my thoughts are at a vibratory level that is about kindness and love and not hatred and anger. And, um, and so part of me now uh, really feels like that's part of learning how to love yourself after you may have been in a situation that you didn't, by taking self-responsibility, taking responsibility to actually love yourself, to actually make choices that are healthy for you. Was that part of your experience as well when you came out of the conforming to the previous marriage? It was. It was a, um, a process of rethinking where I fit in my own world of husband, children, home. Um, At that time, I did have a job, but not necessarily a focused career. I was a dental hygienist, which Uh was easy to do when you have children. You can do it a couple of days a week, and it's a nice uh, place to to be. But what I uh, discovered was that I had been living my life totally focused on making my uh, significant other happy. Working, 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 working. We moved 10 times in 20 years because he liked to change jobs. So within that context, I became the hero in that little drama triangle that we've probably people have seen Uh where Uh your hero, persecutor, victim, Mm. the hero, oh, honey, I can pack and unpack and get us a new place and get the kids in school. I'm good. I can do this. I can do Uh this. Make you happy. And then you'll be happy in your job, right? Well, no, not so much. Oh, my goodness. 
So within that, it took me all those 10 moves to kind of go, what? now, wait, 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 wait. Particularly the last one when he moved me. I say he moved me. I chose to move. I didn't stay. I had a really great job. I loved my community. I loved my job. I loved where my kids were in school. They were in swim team. I mean, it was just a delightful little um, uh, Holly Homemaker slash work part-time existence. And then he says, okay, we're moving. And I, that was probably the crush blow that broke my heart because mm-hmm. I had to leave a community, good friends that I didn't want to leave mm-hmm. my heart. And in that moment, it took me another five years of coaching and therapy and whatever else I could get my hands on to finally say, I'm not going to be in this marriage anymore. So it was a journey. It wasn't like a switch went on or went off or, or all of a sudden I woke up one morning and went, oh, I now have some choice here. It, mm-hmm. uh, it took a long time. Uh, and I think a lot of mine was I didn't have a voice for right. those 15 years. I chose to uh, be conformative to his wishes. Conform- he did not abuse me. Mm-hmm. Not that at all, just more, he was in his own little world of discontent. And I kept thinking I could fix that. I could, if I could just be cute enough, sexy enough, have a nice dinner enough, have the home nice enough, have all of these, if I could just do all of these things, he should, he can be happy, right? He can. Yes. Yeah. And it just began, I began to understand that it was never going to work, that I carried my happiness or unhappiness, and so did he. So, hey, I was sort of, but again, it took five years of a journey to do exactly what you're saying, Susan. I had to learn to love Linda enough and get a voice of, okay, this doesn't work for me. And when I got the voice, unfortunately, it was loud and ugly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because mine was too, oi, oi, oi. (laughs) Um, once I got over that, then I began to heal enough to get the courage and get the plan to, um, make an exit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think what you just described, Linda, thank you for sharing that. I, I, I appreciate it because I am meeting so many women that have similar experiences of if I'm just more than enough, then he'll be good or I can fix him or he'll love me or you know, whatever the underlying story is. And and then eventually, you know, many of us come to the end and go, wow, uh, it doesn't matter. Like you said, it doesn't matter. It's not about me. It really is about him. Right. Right. And so then that moves us, like we were saying earlier, into that ability once we've healed enough, right, to cope. create or are are absolutely and being able to uh, i'm going to say ferret out enough of my own strength Mm. to make whatever decision needed to be made um i knew that i was not uh strong enough and this is the part where i knew where i had some strength and where i still had work to do he and i were forever fatal attractions uh in the intimate world Mm -hmm. i never left 
Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it came with one of my counselors uh, because he traveled and he was gone most of a week and then he would come home on the weekend. She says, you've kept your marriage alive because you've just created little mini honeymoons and you're not facing any real life issues together. You're not, you're not, uh, you know, looking at your own self or the marriage or anything. You're just having little honeymoons. Yeah. So I knew that was there. I knew I needed to, if you would leave town, that was the scariest part for me because I have to had two children. Yeah. Um, and I, so I just moved back to my hometown knowing that I could get a good job. I still had a dental hygiene license there and attempt to start my life over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a lot of fear that shows up for yes. anybody. It's a, it's really a, a, a horrible uh, reckoning, I guess, to, to say, I, I am so afraid and I got to do it anyway. Yes. I, I got to do it. In, in your book, um, Life Path by Design, you talk about um, oh, I forget where it is, but you talk about meeting the unknown or being willing to go into the unknown. And I know for me, that's, that happened immediately once I realized that my marriage was complete in the middle of the night at three in the morning, you know, going, oh, just like sitting straight up going, oh, it's done. It's done. No more struggle. The next day, I don't know if I've told this story, but the next day I went to get a massage because that was my commitment to help me with the stress. And I was trying to figure out what do I do now? Do I go see a lawyer? What do I do now? And um, I I get on the table and the massage person had this Deepak Chopra affirmation playing that said, I trust the unknown. I relinquish the known and I live in infinite possibilities. I was like, oh, holy moly, oh my God, for an hour, I'm listening to this. And so that I trust the unknown became my mantra during divorce, which is scary, scary Mm. stuff. Mm. Yes, yes. And I have to say, I did my, uh, the default that I did by moving back to my hometown was that I knew that I had a supportive um, extended family. My parents were still living at that time. I had a sister at that time. My brother was still living. So I knew that I had in the scary part of it, I still wanted something that I could maybe lean on. Yes. That would hopefully be there in the, as I walked the scary path, as I walked through and there were, I mean, it was not a smooth transition when I moved. I met some pretty scary things along the way, some things that could have knocked me back to, oh, honey, take me back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do believe going back to a place where I at least had some support was one of the things that helped me trans- make the transition. Because even the journey to just make the decision, as you said, because I remember mine was a flash of, it just came to me, like you say, just it came in a flash that I need to leave. And I've been working toward that peripherally, but I think I'd been in a bit of denial that it was actually going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but once I did it, there was a force that came through to help me get through the first phase of it. And then when I landed in Atlanta and looked at myself as a single woman with two children, I went back into some more fear. Yeah. Yeah. It was a kind of scary thing. I was able, I have a survivor piece enough to, I knew that I could get a good job. And that worked out nicely. 
I knew that I could support my children because I probably wasn't going to get any, even though the divorce said I was supposed to, and I never did. Right. I knew that I could take care of them financially, but it was some of the emotional stuff they went through, the children, and that reflected back on me of what kind of a mama does this? Mm-hmm. What kind of a mama does this? Mm-hmm. So I had to face a lot of who are you as a mama? Who are you as a, a, a career woman? Who are you as your own just self? Mm-hmm. Now, with some of those uh, who are you as that questions, did they come at you from external people or was that more of your self-talk as you were going through this? It was really more my Mm self-talk as my children rebelled against the move. I mean, I'm moving what I thought, you know, in the five years I was, you know, going through my own strength building to leave the marriage. I kept thinking, okay, when they're teenagers, they'll, they'll like get it. They'll, you know, they'll be cool. Not so much. Teenagers don't move well because they want their peeps. And I think that was one of the things that made me, um, I mean, surprised me because I think I falsely told myself they'll be just fine if we move away from their their home. Well, they were 13 and 15 or something like that. They were, you know, right in that teenage. And 90 days later, my older son decides he's going to go back to his um, old high school. Uh-huh. Scared the tar out of me because that was the moment when I call it a long dark night of long dark night of the soul. Yeah. And I laid in the floor and cried all night, yelling, what kind of a mother, you know, lets her son just go off and isn't with her son to take care of him. But I had to face the fact that I could not go back words. Right. Somehow the strength of the Lord, I I'm gonna say somebody came in and said, I got you. You're just going to need to take the next step. So to me, the spiritual path came in. So, well, it sounds like you were already on your spiritual path of, you know, of just trusting and having, it's hard to trust when you make a a life decision like that, that feels um, devastating. At least, and maybe I'm just talking about me and Linda, but it was, it was challenging for me or actually what happened is I realized that I didn't trust myself after having been in a marriage for 28 years and submitted, you know, allowed myself to remain in a marriage that long. That really was not a always happy marriage and a little bit, you know, mentally suppressive. Mm-hmm. And, right. and so my trust factor was really low of trusting anybody or even an infinite divine the universe power thing, you know, I was like, Oh really, please. Cause now I'm here having to trust it. Right. In that affirmation, trust the unknown to me, that's what that became my, um, moniker, if you will, for, for, uh, for God, for the unseen side. I just to trust that there is something bigger than me, much, much bigger than me that I cannot describe. I cannot control. I cannot, I mean, I can tell it whatever I want, you know, I can tell it, I want these things done, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get those things. Right. 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 Yes. That was probably the biggest leap of faith was to say, okay, son, go back and live with your dad. Uh, the other son, I asked him to stay. I literally asked him, would you stay with me? Cause he really kind of wanted to go too. Mm-hmm. And he stayed with me for two years. And during that two years, I dived into the 
I call it the um, uh, intensive care of personal growth and (laughs) coaching or whatever. And I was strong enough when he decided to leave that I could handle it in a whole different way when he decided to go back and finish high school with his peeps. But he stayed with me for at least two years and it gave me he became a little bit of an anchor for me to cling to. And then one of my counselors said, you must not cling to your child. Yeah. You must create your own life here. Yeah. So can I ask you in the, in now the present moment, how is your relationship with your sons now? Um, It is one of the reasons that I moved 3000 miles from Florida to Ventura, California. They both happen to live here in Ventura Mm-hmm. And we've had good relations over over the years. They've come. One of them came and stayed with me um, when he graduated from high school and was lost because his dad had promised him a cross country trip and then didn't follow through. And he was just a lost puppy. So they both uh, come and lived with my uh, husband and I. Uh, the other one, after the Marines, came and lived with us to finish college. So we've created a really nice relationship, adult to adult. I don't run their lives. I don't, they don't expect me to run their lives, but they'll ask some advice sometimes. And that's uh, a delight. So we have very good relationships at this point. That's really important. I think for people to hear, especially people that have children that are in, it's still in school because um, I know that's one of the more frightening things is what's going to happen to my kids. And in my in my experience, my son had just graduated from high school and, um, we, that's when we, my ex-husband and I just kind of both went, Oh, it's done. Like the contract is done. And, and my son went for a whole emotional spin because like you said, you know, you would think it would be easier. Well, it wasn't. And there was some falling apart in my relationship with him. And then some major, major intentional rebuilding that on his part and my part to be in a really strong bonded relationship now, which we have, it's lovely. We, we, but at, there were many, many moments where I, I had to just literally let my son go and pray literally that we would end up with a relationship that was kind and loving and all the things that it is now and more. And, and so for anybody that's going through or contemplating and you have kids you know, uh, the path and the journey of divorce that just, you know, begin to talk to people that have done it and their relationships with their children get, they, it gets better. Right. Right. And it is a journey too, because when my older son left to go live with his dad, I he didn't talk to me for several months. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and his dad didn't talk to me about what was going on. I had no clue what was going on. And I had to, again, just trust that he was doing what was his path. Um, and one of my coaches helped me understand that these children have their path. It's not your path. Right. And at a certain age, and she even said about 14, you need to let go here. You need yeah. to let them screw up, mess up do whatever they're going to do because it's their path. It is not yours. You are not their rescuer. You're their mother. Yes. And you birth them, but it's that old kill Gavron, give them roots, but give them wings. They have yes. to have their own wings. Yes. And, and like you said, it, it, and part of learning how to fly is by falling on your face and making those mistakes. And then, and then also having um, the, the safety of a loving 
I'm going to say it, a loving mom yeah. who they can come back to and go, wow, I really messed up. I might, you know, and, and you can put, put your arms and your heart around them and, but not tell them anything, you know, not, yes. <laughs> right? you can't say, well, I could have told you, you were going to fall on your face, but you can say that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's so, always the easy part is to shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your mouth, man. I know. I know. I agree with you. So Linda, um, we're actually coming to the end of our time, but I, I just want to tell everybody, the book is called Life Path by Design. Coach yourself to, to your own charmed life. Now, I got to ask you a question about the charmed life part. Because mm-hmm. I was, uh, I grew up with, you know, Walt Disney and the happily ever after and, you know, princesses and blah, blah, you know. And when I came through a divorce, I was like, you know what? Somebody lied to me. <laughs> I don't believe there's ha- happily ever after. And, and, and I believe that if I think I have a charmed life, oh, watch out for the two by four. So can you just speak a little bit about that? Uh, Susan, I agree with you. When I got married, I thought my prince, my, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, white knight. Uh, mm-hmm. I was so smacked out, whacked out, whatever you want to call it, that he was the one and that we were going to have this idyllic, uh, life for the rest of my life. I, that was the story that I bought into and the story that I told myself yeah. when that ended. Um, and then again, the process of working with books, coaches, CDs, whatever it is, something allowed me to realize that I was in charge of that charmed life. It was me. It was up to me to figure out what was the charmed life. And so in my relationship with my husband, we had to go through the process of helping each other understand what that meant for each other. And it wasn't the same thing. And yet, what were the things that created charmed uh, in our relationship, and we have reinvented that several times. We have loved to travel, and we've saved our money to travel. It was a high value for us. So what is it that, to me, it's defining beyond goals, what is it that would make your life joyous and um, and delightful? And if you don't know that, you certainly can't walk into it. Right. You can't, so- And you can't expect anybody else to give it to you. Right. Which a lot of people grew up thinking, right? Yes. 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 That was one of the things I had to prune out of my consciousness in my separation was it was not him to um, uh, create the charmed life for me to live in as a little princess. It that just wasn't working. So, hey, you know, it's like prune that one out and figure out the next step, which is. I get to have my charmed life uh, and it would be great to have a partner because I know I went through a whole phase of, I don't need a partner mm-hmm. and it wasn't a hate of men. It was more, I just don't need a partner, yeah. but I think that was an important phase to go through so that when I did partner, I was not dependent. Right. You were, you had become a self-sustaining independent woman. It sounds like. Right. And not only just financially, emotionally, I yes. knew that I was okay on my own mm-hmm. and that it was not, I didn't need the Tom Cruise, you complete me. Mm-hmm. And yet I ha- we have had a delightful relationship. We've, we've supported each other in cultivating our potentials individually. And as a couple, we've reinvented that several times. And, and to me now, having uh, gone through divorce and now in a, in a 
new relationship myself, that to me is healthier. For anybody that's curious, Linda, tell them your website so they can investigate more. It's lifepathbydesign.net. Dot net. Dot Great. net. And they can get, can they order your books through your website yes. or do they go to Amazon? Either, either way, either okay. way. And okay. I just did a conference. So I've reduced the price. I think it's like seven fifty right now because I just did a conference and I did a special. So oh my goodness, everybody yeah. that's, that is, that's very inexpensive. So if you want it now, go get, get it, it now. Cause it's only going to be there for like another 30 days. Uh-huh. So, um, I've been talking to Linda Drevenstead, who is an author, a speaker, and a life coach. And you can investigate that on her website. And I, I want to say thank you so much for the, the conversation and the willingness to share your journey with me, Linda. And, 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 and I'm excited to see what happens next in your life. Me too. It's exciting, isn't it? Reinventing yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, and isn't that just really the way life is, is it's a constant excavation and reinvention. Yes. And so I just want to tell everybody if there, if you are going through anything, experiencing anything of what Linda and I had just described, going through divorce and not knowing how to do it or coming out of divorce and not feeling like you're healed. Um, I have, it's funny that you use the word journey all the time today, Linda, because I have a journey. It's called live your empowered life journey. And the reason why I call it a journey is because I've lived this myself. So what I do is I teach um, individuals, women that that are coming out but not feeling confident, um, how to live a life of freedom and own their brilliance and claim their opulence. And we do that by removing mental, emotional, and energetic blocks. Because those of us that have lived a while, we got some energy blocks in the whole mental, emotional, and spiritual uh, bodies that keeps us stuck and keeps us rewinding to the past, you know, kind of like what you were talking about with your ex that, and and until we can um, embrace ourselves with greater self-love and develop a courage to build that foundation, we continue to repeat ourselves. So uh, I help people to really become empowered from the inside out and learn to love themselves first and become those strong, independent women that can stand on their own two feet and have a better next life. Live a charmed life. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So Linda, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to hearing the next uh, iteration of this part of your life. And so I just want to end by saying, and so it is, namaste. Namaste. Well, that wraps up our chat for today. Thanks for joining me. And if you want to learn more, go to susanburrell.com. You can contact me through the website. There's blogs for you to read. There are videos to watch. And remember, I am an intuitive healer and spiritual guide at the crossroads of life. And I would be more than honored to help you on your journey to live an empowered life. And so it is. Namaste. Namaste.